official podcast of SoCo. This is a platform for our community of creators, indie workers, and entrepreneurs. On with the show. What's happening? Hi, Gene. Hey, I'm here with my friend Andy Graham uh, for another episode of the SoCo Show. And uh, you guys, part of the SoCo community, you need to know Andy. Um, She's pretty awesome and has done some pretty great things with her business and personal life. And that's what we're here for. How's it going in Asheville? It's awesome. It's (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) It's not Florida is what it is. Yeah. Oh, boy. So (laughs) you, uh, I I noticed you're still traveling back and forth. um, I think because I stalk you on Instagram every once in a while. Yeah. Um, You were just there. And so now you're back in Asheville. I try to go once a month just to get, get, like touch base with people and face to face. And it's been sort of fun because I get a chance to go back and see all my friends as well as business. But there are times I've traveled in for work and not actually seen friends at all. So, um, wow. you know, it's a one hour and 11 minute flight and directly in and out of Asheville. Damn. So it's very, very easy. Yeah. Damn. Was that part of, well, let's back up real quick for everybody. So Andy, full yeah. service, digital. Mm-hmm. Yep. Digital marketing, uh, yep. web design development. We do media buying and SEO. So yep. yeah, all the things. How long has that been in existence? 2005. Wow. I know. Wow. 17 years. That's a long time. OG in the industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, uh, the former life, I used to produce all these events and that's how I got to know her down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, she always graciously supported um, the front end design conference and her and her whole team were awesome and took us in like we were locals, um, down in St. Petersburg, which is great. Um, but she's recently, uh, went remote. You were just telling me Mm -hmm. or working on the process of going remote. So I'd love to talk about that Mm -hmm. a little bit and also moved from St. Petersburg to Asheville, which is kind of epic. I know you think when you hear about a digital agency, you think about remote agencies, I think most of the time, but the truth is we're very much an in-person agency and had been for the history of our agency and my business partner and I had a, you know, 5,000 square foot office in downtown St. Pete, Florida. It was an awesome office. It was awesome. We loved it there. And we loved the sort of energy and the vibe of everybody coming in and we could walk to all the downtown hotspots and we loved that. But more importantly, we had so many clients that we just knew from being in the community. And so Mm. we were such a big part of like, you know, the Economic Development Council and we built the city's website and we worked with all the universities and colleges and museums and you name it. We were sort of a big piece of the fabric of the city, Um, especially since I started the agency in 2005, like we were the only digital agency in the area for quite a while. And so we kind of grew with the city. So the choice to leave the office took us a while to come to we were in COVID times obviously everybody Mm -hmm. started working from home immediately um and it took us about nine months of paying (laughs) you know Mm. 7500 bucks a month in rent and bills to keep the office up and realizing that it was just my business partner and i going in and even then it was like maybe two days a week and i was like what are we doing yeah this is crazy so we actually got a really good opportunity to uh, negotiate with the landlord. We told him we would pay 50% and he could start sort of shopping it around. 
Um, we did not expect him to find another tenant as quickly as he did. We had oh. roughly <laughs> like 35 days. Um, and then it was a strange, it was actually, so during this time, we kind of agreed to let the office go in about September of 2020. And uh, okay. it was a tough, it was a tough decision. Uh, we talked to the team about it. I think they all kind of thought we'd eventually come back together because a lot of folks really did like that in-person experience. Um, but around that same time, I decided to move to North Carolina. And so I kind of saw it as a opportunity for myself, much like you, I had really tied myself into the the local mm. community and didn't know that I would have the opportunity to leave. And I wanted to leave before I really even started Big C. My daughter, you know, I started the business in 2005, but my daughter was born in 2008. And that's kind of when I opened the office and made it a, a, a physical footprint. And at that point, that's when I was like roped in. I'm like, I'm stuck mm -hmm. here. I have to do this. And so, um, yeah, the minute we let the office go, I was like, okay, I'm moving to North Carolina. I can do this from there. This can happen. Right. So um, it was a big so, freedom. But it was funny because the day they leased the office and told us we had to be out was not, no joke, like uh, 30 days before we were closing on our house up here in Nashville. So it was like... <laughs> the most stressful month of my entire existence. It was bananas, but so kind of fun. why do you think that is? Why do you think that like whenever something big happens, there's always like two or three other big things that happen at the same time. I think we you just put out an energy of motion. Like I feel like there's just that like sort of ball of energy that starts moving. And whenever it's for me, whenever I'm working like on something big, I'm travel planning or I'm doing like planning something big. I've also got like 50 other things sort of moving in the background at the same time. And for me, I'd rather be busy. And like, I feel like if I can get all of that, instead of having a million small things to do over the course of a long period, I'd rather like just slam all this into three or four weeks if I can. And then I have like time to like, all right, now I'm setting up or I'm doing these other things. I can kind of get my head out of that, that space a little bit. So for me, it helps me with that, you know, being in one phase versus another phase instead mm. of constantly everything overlapping all the time. But it sounds like you've sort of mastered the art of turning things off and enjoying a vacation. Oh, I'd love for you. <laughs> I'm far better at it than I used to be for sure. Mm. But 2021 mm. threw us a lot of curveballs. And so yes. I kind of got back into it a little bit where I really haven't taken a vacation. I mean, I've traveled and I know you've seen that on Instagram, but even, you know, we traveled out to see a friend in Oregon and I worked every day. I was working some days. I'd get up at six yeah. in the morning and work until noon or so. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the... That's the thing. And, you know, Carl and I talk about it all the time where it's like, you're on vacation, but really, I mean, you got up before everybody else and answered emails and checked mm -hmm. on projects. And then they're all getting ready to go. And you're like, hold on, I'll be out in a minute. And you're still inside looking yep. like that's kind of the life. Um, I don't know if you've just kind of suffered with that, like everybody else. I don't, I, I don't look at it as suffering. Like I, mm. it was, it was a little bit of that over the past year. Like I, because we had turnover in 2021, just like everybody in the world did, I was having to plug into actual like production work and client mm -hmm. facing roles and things like that for a while to cover some seats. I didn't enjoy that. Uh, that was not my favorite. I it felt like I had to be there versus wanted to be there. The stuff we went through this fall or this spring, um, we acquired another agency. And so we doubled in size. And so the work was really more around the back end of that and like mm. orchestrating all of that. And so I feel like when I work 
when I'm on vacation or when I work when I shouldn't be working and I can <laughs> choose to do it, I don't mind it. Like I, especially cause like my daughter's going to sleep till 10 or 11 AM anyways. Mm. So why not? Like, what else am I going to do? Watch the news and drink coffee? You know, I might mm. as well like get some work done and connect with my humans a little bit. So I don't really mm-hmm. mind it, but having a business partner helps a lot. So I can actually. Oh, I bet. Money. I bet. Especially a really good business partner who you know sort of has your back you know when you're not thinking about it they're thinking about it like yep. that yeah that that gives that lets you sleep well at night <laughs> um massively yeah 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 and you have a pretty good business partner i will i will vouch for him um, i do i have a great business partner so let's let's talk about that for a little bit though you um you're acquiring business that's not the first business you've done that you've acquired i mean you've sort of I don't know, assumed other businesses, just kind of bought them outright or whatever. What yep. sort of things leads you to to make an acquisition like that? What makes you look at something? Hmm. That's a good question. I I I appreciate growth and change and I need to constantly challenge myself. And I know that our team are kind of in the same boat. Like if I'm not constantly challenging the really smart, talented humans that we have they're going to get bored and they're going to go find something else that will continue to challenge them. And the truth is, especially as a marketing agency, we can't service the bigger, more exciting accounts without having a bigger and more exciting team. And so Mm. we need to have, you know, there's a certain point in scale as an organization when you want a specialist to do things. You don't want somebody who dabbles in SEO and maybe does a little bit of Google, you know, Mm -hmm. pay-per-click. And I also was going to design your social ads. Like, those people are going to be mediocre at all of those things. And that's fine. That'll get you from A to B, but it's not necessarily going to get you from like, you know, Mm. Y to Z. And so we found that with the size, we get to now have specialists who are really deeply, you know, deep experts Mm. in very specific things that they do. And so we have this team that's now not just like we have a design team. We have like a design team that has a really specific, we have a UX designer or in our copy team, we have like the guy who does, you know, creative content. So like headlines and ad copy. And then we have our editorial team that does like blogging and content marketing and things like that. And they're, they're different. They're very different skill sets and, and things have become so much more Mm. complex and nuanced now that we have to, that it helps us sort of deliver on a a wider breadth of, 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 um, accounts. What about like, is it, is it as much about like opportunity and you just have to take advantage of opportunity sure. or is it like, like how many times have you done it where it's opportunity versus like strategic growth? Like we want to go into these types of markets. So we need a team that does this type of thing. And then you kind of find the team and you find the clients. Like how much mm-hmm. of it has in the past has it been either or? I think all, all of it's a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when my business partner and I sat down and talked, like, I'm 45, so I'm not that old, mm-hmm. but my daughter's 13, and she has, you know, a good six years ahead of her of school, six and a half years, and I would like to be in a position, you know, we kind of said, what are, what are our dreams? Where do we want to go personally? Mm-hmm. This is our business, so we can do that. I, you know, when she's done with high school, I'd like to be able to take a year off and travel and live in an RV or, you know, whatever that is. And I cannot do that if I'm tied to being in the day to day every single day. And so, um, you know, we may want to sell the agency at that point. We might not, Mm. maybe I'll just take the year off, you know, I don't know, but I don't want to be, you know, when you start thinking about wanting to sell a business with intention, 
you're usually three to five years away from doing that. And so when we sat down and said, this is where we want to be, how much do we want to make when we sell the agency? So what does our bottom line need to be? So what does, what size do we need to be? We kind of reverse engineered it from there. And so I was like, well, if I want to make, let's say a million dollars and I have a business partner, we're 50, 50. So that means we need to make $2 million. (laughs) So what does our, you know, so then we could back it down from like, here's the size, here's the revenue we need to be at with this being our bottom line, that kind of a thing. So there is a little bit of that, but there's also just the joy of delivering the work that we do and watching our team sort of grow and change with, um, you know, we have a really senior team. We've got PhD on the team. We've got a lot of master's degrees on the team. We've got, you know, some really smart people. And so I think that we, it's been, and that's, that's like where I thrive. Like I love the like research and strategy side of what we do. And so watching us kind of build this team that can push into that a lot more has been really exciting and and see the results for clients as, you know, the tactical stuff is like, you can buy that anywhere, right? Like we do it well, but mm. you can go get it anywhere else. It's that sort of upfront strategy mm. piece that sort of gets me out of bed every morning. Wow. So that's a conscious, that. that's a conscious area you're growing into. hundred um, percent. Yeah. That's awesome. Versus like, you know, Hey, we've been doing this type of work for X amount of time. We've got this much expertise. Let's just do a lot more of that. It's a very big, it's a very different um, approach. How do you manage maintaining that like because that's that's where i struggle a lot of times it's like we do this type of stuff well we got to maintain it to pay the bills but we also want to grow this direction so Mm -hmm. how do i how do i deploy like time and money in that direction like what is that for Um, you for us, it's been, we took some risks and, and, you know, think, I, I hate to say, but we got the PPP money and we've got mm-hmm. the EDL money and we took some of that money and invested it in some expensive humans that we didn't have work for at the time. And so we worked with them on mm-hmm. how do we sell what you do and how do we position it? And then we took some chances on writing contracts that's, you know, scopes of work that really encompass like what that strategy piece looks like and what we want it to look like. We've come a long way in the past year and a half, two years since we've been doing that. And now the next Q3 of, of this year will be us really strongly defining because right now our strategy bleeds into our account mm. service and it's tough because those are like, I, I can't, we can't afford to have your PhD strategist sitting mm-hmm. on every single phone right. call that you're discussing right. these blog posts, right? Yeah. Right. So we are trying to put some boundaries around like, okay, this is how much time you get from this human or this is their specific role, but it's proven extremely like our, you know, our clients love just having that time to like bounce ideas off. Well, we're thinking about moving this direction or, um, and we can pull industry mm-hmm. research for them and, you know, market data and things like that. They love that stuff. So, wow. That's, that's got to be awesome in terms of where you sit, um, you know, not not doing the physical nuts and bolts of everything, like getting to sit yeah. back and strategize and work on where your company's going. And that that ties back into what you said earlier, that when you're on, you know, a vacation or whatever, you don't mind pulling in some work. I hear a lot of stuff, especially in our like our SoCo Slack and, and people talk about like work life balance. Um and I've always sort of thought like, eh, like maybe you should, maybe you should be doing something that you don't really care about balance over. Like you should be doing something that you're okay with it consuming you, you know, because you love it. Yeah. Right. And that, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't know. Can you speak to that for yourself? Like since the day you started this to now, like, like I'm sure there's a time where you're like, I do not want to answer this email. 
you know like why yeah. am i doing that and i'm paying to be in this you know vrbo <laughs> that i'm that i'm enjoying but i'm sitting here doing this to like i don't mind it i think there's i think it's been a slow growth and it took me a while to get to a place where i could hire people to do the things i don't like to do or i'm not very strong at so um i heard a oh gosh i'm trying to remember who i heard say this recently but somebody said I was reading about sort of passion and commitment to work mm -hmm. and, and, you know, doing where you leaning into the things you thrive in. And the phrase was, if you find yourself procrastinating on doing a task, it's because you should not be doing that task. So that sort of opened my eyes to being, mm -hmm. Oh, why have I, I've had this five minute task sitting on my, literally on my to do mm -hmm. list for the past three weeks maybe I'm not the one who's supposed to do that task. And so I started hmm. looking at my days a little bit differently. Like, okay, if I'm dreading this, I need to hire somebody or assign this task somewhere else. And so it's been kind of an eye-opening thing for me to say, okay, I have a team. Um, even though I'm taking on all these like undesirable tasks, because I feel like it's my, my duty, it doesn't have to be that way. And so we literally had a phone call on Monday where I said, Hey, X, you know, or so-and-so mm -hmm. I'm going to, this is yours now. I'm handing you this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. This is your job. I don't care if you do it. You just need to make sure it gets done. And that's, you know, however mm -hmm. you orchestrate that line with me. And it was just such a liberating thing. And I was like, well, I should have been doing this all along, <laughs> but um, you know, I do, I have in some capacity, but you know, it's like, there is still little things that trickle through. So mm -hmm. it's been helpful. Well, I feel comfortable asking you this question. I don't, I mean, I don't know you like, you know, we're not like, you know, known each other that long, but I do feel comfortable asking this question because I know you have overcome it. How do you overcome, like you were just talking about that, giving a task to somebody else. How do you overcome that? If I don't do it, it's not going to be done right thing. Mm. I think that's like management or leadership 101, right? If you can't do that as a leader, the first time you have somebody that mm -hmm. you're managing, you are not going to be able to get very far. And so I think it's a matter of acknowledging where your headspace is best utilized and what your best mm -hmm. talents are um, and finding that. But somebody shared a book with me recently and it was called, um, if you want to get something done, you don't have to do it yourself. I'm looking at it Ooh. on my bookshelf right there. Yeah. And it's a tiny little book and it's just really helpful tips on delegation on how to, you know, properly share a task with somebody. And yes, you're going to spend two hours doing something that would have taken you 15 minutes the first time, but then the next time it's going to be an hour, something that would have taken you 15 minutes. And then mm. the next time you don't have to do it again. And so now you've taken off hours and hours and hours of time off your, off your plate by just spending that upfront time. It's the same as with project management, right? An hour spent in planning is worth 10 in execution. <laughs> and it's the same with delegation. Like the more that you can get things off your plate. Now, I'd love to learn that with like, there's some things I just love. I know a lot of executives use virtual assistants for things mm. like travel planning, but I personally love travel planning. Like I right. love Why would looking you... at, I love it. I love looking yeah, at Yeah, I never understood I that stuff. I know. And, yeah. That's part some of the thing. People just don't enjoy it. So, yep, I think yeah. so too. I like I, I enjoy talks. like if I have to do some research on something, I don't want like I don't want to just like, hey, here's my research brief. Here's all the stuff uh -huh. you need. I enjoy the process of finding the things. I feel like that's part of like the actual art of learning and, and learning where the yep. like I don't want that part taken from me. Just like we talking about booking the travel, like thinking about where we're going and, and looking at the flights. That's kind of fun. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 
and where the hotel you... is in the city yeah, and right. Airbnb is next to the beach versus across the street mm-hmm. from the beach. Like, and I also know what concessions I'm willing to make in my head. And yeah. So, I mean, I think you all, everybody kind of starts to realize what you're willing to, what you want to keep and what you want to give away. Yeah. You know, but so. Go in and finding all the logos that are now white for a dark background versus full color. I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, don't want to do that. No, I'll, thank you. Yeah, yeah, the research one you, you, that you said is interesting because that's also something a lot of people pass off. But I agree. I think like part of research is understanding mm. the network of like right. the thing you're researching and how it links to all those other things. And so right. unless you're the one going down that web, you're not really seeing it. So that's a I don't think so. Okay. How would you, how, is, is that how you would coach Let's say you have a, a a new manager that that you're bringing on that they're like you're like hey bro you kind of need to let somebody else yeah. do this like how do you how I do you actually them? I just had that conversation with somebody this morning that is um and she her exact words were I feel guilty and like I'm letting the team down if I'm not doing these things myself and I was mm. like you know you're letting the team down because you're not getting all the things done because you're taking on too much <laughs> and so you know, it's like you pay, you feel the guilt up front or you feel the guilt on the backside, but you're going to feel the guilt in some way. And so I would <laughs> rather you get, feel the guilt up front so that our clients aren't paying the price on the backside when things are wow. not getting done. So, wow. um, you know, it's, it's, and I, I, I've counseled people. One thing is a spend a week writing down everything you do and then highlight the things you love doing on that list. Right. Mm. And then everything else should be delegated. Like what else can you get rid of? For us, for her specifically, she doesn't manage other people, but she has a, a, a project manager that works alongside her. Mm-hmm. And so it was really a division of labor that's been more problematic because she feels like she should own everything for the client. And mm-hmm. I feel like the project manager should be owning all the task management and emails back and forth. And um, and she hasn't been wanting to let go of that just because she wants to know what's going mm-hmm. on, which is fine. But there's other ways we can do that. So. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's probably one of the hardest things for people to, to let go of. I was going to say learn, but I think, I think, like you said, we all know it, but it's the art of like actually being able to let it go. It's the part yeah. that hurts because <laughs> you, well, I, maybe if a, you feel like control, trust, right? Yeah. I, there you go. I think that's it. You have to trust your team. Yeah. Hmm. But so you can't, me... you can't develop trust without taking a risk. And so I think you have mm. to like, I think you have to know if you're going to assign a task, you have to know what the outcome you want to be and how much gray area there is. Like, do you need it to be hundred percent? Can it be 70%? Like what's the, what's the value of that right. thing? And do you, can you accept a C versus an A, you know, that kind of thing. So you start with low value tasks and you move up to higher value tasks. Hmm. There you go. Well, let me ask you, we're talking about opportunity too. Like how, if somebody's listening to this, and I know some of the people who listen to this, they will say, well, how do I put myself in the place to have an opportunity to even be able to take advantage of being acquired or acquiring some, maybe it's a person or that sounds weird. You know what mm-hmm. I meant? An employee or a yep. business. Like, how do you, how do you put yourself as an organization or a, or an executive or a person in that position to be able to take advantage of those things? Um, for us, when we started looking at growth and we started just saying, okay, let's like blue sky this, like, what are, what are our opportunities for growth here? We could like hire three salespeople and get out there and start just building revenue and then mm-hmm. backfilling the team to do that. 
or we could leapfrog it a little bit and like double in size by acquiring another agency, whatever that looks like. Um, and so for us, it was kind of just like a, okay, here's the opportunities available to us. And then we thought, we started kind of talking about the acquisition idea before we knew anything about it. I know nothing about commercial finance. I know nothing about yeah. you know commercial banking, et cetera, et cetera. And so I have, a, I was part of a CEO group called Vistage. And I actually just took it to my Vistage coach and I was like, hey, we're kind of like considering this. I don't even know where to begin. And she gave me some wonderful sort of mm. ideas on how to do this. And the first thing she said was, you need to call like five or 10 local bankers and talk to them. And then there's all these M&A transaction advisory firms. There's dozens and dozens of them out there. Mm. You can call them and say, how do I do this? Is it even possible? And what does it look like? And they will walk you through every step by step because they get a piece of the transaction for the mm. most part, or you pay them a fee. Um, but it's super helpful. And I actually called, we talked with, I think, seven different bankers and just looked at like SBA loans. And it turns out it's really easy, like very easy. As long as the numbers make sense for the company that you're acquiring, if they're a profitable company, they will finance, the mm. S, the, you know, federal government will finance a loan for you to buy that company, mm. full stop. Wow. And so the M&A firm that we reached out to and talked to did like a transaction analysis for us that showed us our, we, they took our financial statements and this company's financial statements, merged them together, showed what our sort of mm. operating, our net profit would be, and then how much it would cost us to service the loan. Like, what does our loan payments look like? And it was like, as long as you are positive on that number, the SBA is like, yep, check, done. Hmm. Here's your money. And it's, you know, very, very easy process. It's a three to six month process, but it's very easy. It's not yeah. a, um, you know, it's, it's, they, they didn't even look, they no. So yeah, it's a very easy process. That's hmm. all. I thought it would be a lot more difficult than it was. Do you think that's, do you think that's because it's sort of a post COVID PPP, you know, idle loan world? No, that's how the SBA 7A loans always have been. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. The rates are higher now. We um, Part of us doing this when we did was because the COVID rates were so low. I mean, it's like 2.75% is our rate. And so it's like free money. You know, if we can't make more than 2.75% back on that investment, we are in it's not a, not well, a risk we should have taken. There you so. go. Maybe should be taking the investment. Yeah, that's yeah. – uh, I don't know that many people would think about that route um, in terms of the – um, owner operator level person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it sounds like, I mean, and maybe you say past tense, you're in that position where you're no longer this owner operator, uh, individual. Right. And, and I know mm -hmm. you can distinctly remember the difference, the first five years of existence versus 100%. where you are now. What sort of advice would you give someone who wants to transition from let's say that just the owner operator you know you to two or three other people on your team to you know where you are now where you're not doing you know you're not going and finding those logos anymore yeah the number one is delegation you can't do that unless you're willing to let go of the things that you do best and that means sometimes this this has been a big thing for me with the doubling in size and bringing on another agency is like big c is me like 
I was thinking about even our brand recently, and I was thinking the things that I want our brand to represent are things I want people to think about me. Mm. And I've had a really hard time divorcing those two things. Like even now, I, I like I'm we're going through a rebrand, and I cannot get around like, but I want people to think we're friendly and approachable. And my design team gave us these brand elements that are really like sleek and modern and I'm like that doesn't feel like us and then I was Mm. like does it not feel like us or does it not feel like me and I Mm. need to you know sort of regroup that and sort of divorce the business who the business is who the brand is from who I am Mm. and even though I have a business partner he's a lot less like public facing and so I think I feel that weight a lot more although I would say he does too he wants to be known as friendly and approachable and really easygoing Mm -hmm. and so we don't want a brand that feels cold and impersonal, you know, cause it just doesn't feel like us, you mm. know, it's, it's sort of a weird thing. And, and so bringing in that other agency, we've had to kind of say, Oh, they're not us at all. Oh. How do we now have this new mm. us? That's like, you know, what does this feel like? So huh. I think that's a piece of it. You have to take your personal self out of it and say, it doesn't have to be done the way mm. I would do it. It doesn't have to look like I would do it. It just has to be done well. And maybe that's, you know, changed for clients and things like that. You have to know mm-hmm. what's important to your clients and to your, to your customer base and stick with those things and really make sure you know those values. But other than that, you got to let go. That seems more emotional than uh, strategic. Ego. Yeah. Ooh, that's the, that's the big word. Yeah. yeah we, we, we talk about ego a lot um, when we have these conversations with people and, mm-hmm. It's amazing to me how often, um, you know, we don't need to rehash errors that we've made in business because I know, you know, you've been doing yours since 2005. I mean, I've been doing this web design company uh, that we run out of SoCo for, you know, 17 years. We're not the same company now than we were when we started, not because of growth, but because of, you know, big giant errors (laughs) that we've made and we had to like overcome um but i can count back to the ones i've made and they're all my fault like it's all basically ego you know um or that's that sounds like you know you're just arrogant but like it it is because you you can't let go of something or yeah you know you won't accept fault when just accepting fault could get you out of hot water really fast <laughs> yeah what uh no, it's hard. but that's what you're talking about that's what you're talking about. If if we're talking about making that transition from owner operator, which a lot of a lot of our members at SoCo are, you know, single person or you know, very small team, they are that owner operator to the next level. It's that ego. Um, mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Can you speak to maybe how you've? Because I've never, as long as I've known you, you've always been. I, I would use the word like selfless. I would I would use the like. Ego is a tricky thing because you, you've always had a, a strong sense of self. Like you've always been confident, but I've never gotten a sense that you were like, you know, arrogant. And um, oh, that's, I appreciate that's, that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> that's something that's hard to portray. You know, it's, it's hard to have confidence and not come off that way. But, um, and that just might be who you are, but can you speak to that? Can you, could you, if you are uh, counseling me on that, what would you tell me to do? Yeah, I, it's weird. So actually I can, I can, I don't know if I can counsel you in it, but I can give you a feeling. And when this feeling sort of cool crystallized for me, it was actually at one of the first bureau events that I went to 
forever ago. It was an owner camp. It was like the third mm. one or the second one down in Sanibel Island. I spent way too much money that I didn't have at the time. I had like <laughs> 11 people on my team, but I was convinced that I needed to go and learn from these like champions in our industry. Yeah. I was like, yep. I'm going to spend like four days with these people I worship. Like this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not just sitting with those people who were my heroes and learning about their failures <laughs> and all the stuff they were doing. Mm. And then what's more is learning about like from the back conversations around what they said in the public facing room versus what was actually going on. Mm -hmm. I started to kind of see behind the curtain and I started realizing everybody screws up as much as I screw up. Mm -hmm. And the difference in this particular crowd in this particular year, and I will not say that this is anymore, but there was like five or six women there and all of us were having the same issue of not of feeling like everything that happened was our fault. Mm. And all of the men who seemed to be talking had a feeling of everything that screwed up was the client's fault. And it was this really strange thing where like they were portraying how profitable they were and how much more they were charging and all these things. And then we were watching like their client relationships just were like very fleeting it seemed like they'd do Mm. a project and then they'd go away. And I was like, that's so weird. Like I can't get rid of my clients. Like they come in, we build a project and then they're like, coming after us for maintenance and this and that, like on a constant basis. And that's the hardest thing I'm dealing with because I feel like I screwed up because we didn't build something right. And now we're Mm. having to fix it. And then I'm not billing for some of that because I feel like it's our fault. And the guys are like billing for everything and Mm. you know, every minute you work, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, (laughs) and, and I was like, I really valued that. But at the same time, I came to the realization that like, there's a mix here. Like it is a little bit our fault, but also also we're doing work that we've never done before. We've never slammed these four plugins and this platform together in this way. And there's going to be stuff that's unforeseen and that's okay. And we just need to know how to talk about that sooner in the process and feel ownership over like, yeah, this is new for us. It doesn't mean I'm incompetent. It just means it's a new thing for us. You know, the internet's a new thing in 2005. Like it was new for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. So we weren't as mature as we are, but it was just a little bit of like a regular realization of it not being, I don't want to say it's ego, but like, I realized one of the things that made me successful as a woman in this particular industry was my ability to come in with humility and feel, you know, kind of a partnership with our clients in like, yeah, this is all new and interesting and we're going to try this. Do you trust us? We'll do our best, you mm-hmm. know? that kind of a thing. And so I found that my place was not to sort of not have that hero worship of like, you know, knowing that there's screw ups everywhere and sort of learning to not take everything at face value and understand that what I bring to the table is my unique mix of, of how I approach business, but also how I can Mm. empathize with the clients and the position they're in because we're auto mechanics to them. They don't know anything about what we're building or how we build or what we do. And so it's up to us to educate them on how those things work and what's difficult about it or easy about it. Hmm. My favorite word, right, is just. Don't you love when clients say just? Just, just a little. Yeah. yeah. Just a little change. It's, it's easy. Just a little, yeah. We're just going to move this over <laughs> here. And you're like, oh, yeah, that just trickles down to the entire design system, which screws mm-hmm. up the entire, you know, 40 other pages on your website. So just, just a little one. Yeah. Well, so. two things, two things that are telling to me one is that so far you've mentioned working with a coach and you've Mm -hmm. mentioned going to a 
uh, I don't know what you'd call the bureau at that point. It's not really a conference, but it's more like a, a peer. Yeah. A it was peer like a retreat almost. Sesh. Yeah. Retreat. Yep. There you go. But so working with a coach, going to something where you can interact with peers who you're on the same level of, um, yeah, that, that seems like it's priceless. I mean, find a coach, man. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't like, and then learning that you're not alone. Like, 100%. Like the first, I wasn't as early adopter on the Bureau as you were. Um, gosh, I don't even remember. Shit, I don't remember when, the, but it was one of those owner thingies. I can never remember which one's which, but um, one of those I went to. And I was, quite honestly, with, with this web design business, period three, I was having trouble. We were going through some yeah. serious, uh, like, like four or five projects were just in the shitter, you know? And I remember mm -hmm. going there and just not being in the best mind space, but, but talking to people and then realizing, well, they all their projects are screwed up too. Like, <laughs> yeah. like us, not so bad, you know, yep. like, I think I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm 12 years in and this guy's, he's only been in it a couple of years and his are way worse than mine, you know, like, but <laughs> yeah. he's, he's having fun, you know? Yep. Like, I, I think that, I think that's healthy. I mean, that helps you to just know you're, you're not alone and like, man, you can, there's people you can talk to, you know, whether it's a coach yeah. or peers or whatever. Um, I did find the Vistage, like Bureau has been great for me, but I do recognize it's unique to our industry. I, we have right. plenty of clients who there is no way they're sharing industry secrets mm -hmm. with their competitor. That's not mm -hmm. happening. And so I do think that's unique to this industry, which I adore it, completely. It is. Yes. But I would also say that just joining the Vistage group, and I know there's a dozen of them like that, like where I surrounded myself with CEOs of much larger, like I always like to put myself in a room that challenges me a little mm. bit that are people who are bigger and better. I don't want to say better, but bigger and like have built things that are much mm. larger and more complex and more mature than what I have, because I feel like there's just so much to learn. And there's a lot of opportunities out there to do that. And so I kind of came to that realization. I was really involved in like the startup community in our, in mm. St. Pete. And so, you know, 1 million cups, which I'm involved with again here in Nashville, but you know, mm -hmm. it, I kind of always felt like I'm, I'm just a little like past these questions that you guys are trying to mm -hmm. deal with right now. And I'm happy to offer my experience, but at the same time, I need to be soaking mm -hmm. in from people who have solved them ahead of me as well. well you have and your so, own questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So kind of figuring that out later is like where I should be playing, like what space I, and where, because time is finite. And so like, where should I be putting my time and what should I be investing in um, was helpful to me. And so always kind of pushing yourself to be present in a room with people who scare you a little bit. I think that was really good for me. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a, a, a personal story. We, um, I used to, it's still out there, unmatched style. We used to run this website. Um, it was like a, like a d design review. Like we'd look at websites and yeah, review them or whatever. Yep. And um, I remember we, we got it to, it was like, you know, 10,000 unique visitors a week. And we were like, damn, that's, that's a lot of people. We were, you know, and we had all these problems with it. We're trying to solve and everything. And, you know, and th there's a group for everything, right? Like you're talking about Vistage. Mm -hmm. I mean, go like, go find a coach, go find a group. There's one out there for whatever you're doing. Oh yeah. Um, or some semblance of it or something. And I'm not talking like a, like a, you know, breakfast coffee lead sharing thing. That's sales. No. We're talking about mm -mm. a group of people that are running businesses, the same level or money. Mastermind or, groups. They're often yeah, called. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. Go mm -hmm. find one. 
But uh, so there's one for, you know, people that have websites that, you know, you're working on traffic and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I thought we were king of the internet until this one guy who basically wrote, <laughs> what the hell was he doing? It was like Mac computers. He was like reviewing like stuff, like hardware. And he was getting like a hundred million or like or 10 million. Like it was like what we yeah. were doing, you know, exponentially to the 10th power and just the problems. And we were like, uh, wow, I have no. And so then I started thinking about like, wow, that's that guy. Can you imagine what a website like CNN, like the scale that they're operating on blew me away. And I still think about that. Like who is it? Aaron Draplin who says, whenever you're, you're feeling stuck on a project, just get cosmic. Just like realize that you're a, a tiny speck on this rock that's in this big mm. universe. That's like, you're inconsequential. Like your business is yep. so small like compared to, you know, these bigger ones and you have no idea about scale. Do you recall a moment like that for you in your business world or your business mind that kind of like just kind of expanded your mind in terms of like, whoa, I've got to change the way I'm doing this to the way I'm thinking about what I'm doing? Um, I think there's two things. I think number one, COVID was interesting because mm. we had to sit back and say, you know what, we're not saving lives here. Like that is not what marketing is. And so we have to focus on what's really important and that's making sure our families and our people are safe mm. and full stop. Like you guys need time, you go take your time, you do whatever needs to happen. Like we will figure everything mm. else out. And if that means telling our clients, no, we're not gonna have this for you next week or in two weeks or whenever that is, like that's gonna happen because none of that is life or death. Wow. Like nothing we're doing, we're not building life-saving technology. Wow. We're building marketing websites, right? And running ads. So Yeah, I always say um, that no one's going to die from this website with that apostrophe yeah. being where it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And then the other piece of the other thing that has happened is as we've gotten into more enterprise level work and we realize what a terrible shit show they are and <laughs> how like how one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing at any given moment well, and how right. bad some of the decisions they make are and how bad like the marketing collateral they have is and there's mm. stuff they're putting into the world and we're getting these websites handed to us where we're like it doesn't even you know do x and i'm like that's like an off-the-shelf woocommerce <laughs> function and you don't <laughs> even have it enabled like yeah. okay wow. you know? so it's just been funny to see like how um how strangely i just i love having a small business because we can just move so fast and make changes and just do yeah. and not have to like wait for i can't imagine working at enterprise mm. level i just it's Oof. so frustrating to me yeah. where every single thing takes forever so um i just it's just made me so joyous to be sort of where i'm at and have the control i do and we've really come to recognize that we really enjoy working with mid-market clients we as much as everybody thought we would want enterprise level, you are a cog in their wheel. You right. are like one micro spec on their 50 agency roster of vendors. Right. And um, I love a mid-market client where they've got a digital marketing team. They know enough to be, to, you know, value what you do. They've got budget. And then they also like have a point of contact who can make things move quickly <laughs> for you. And they're willing to take more risks because they're not trying to defend this like, hmm massive brands they're trying to challenge it and so right. we really do well with like challenger brands i know that word is kind of like people don't like to think of themselves as challenger brands mm -hmm. but like the truth is we love those mid-market clients who are trying to break into something a little bit bigger well that's so, great that's great to have have uncovered that about mm -hmm. what you do and where you are yeah i mean you know the enterprise thing 
we all like we like to make fun of them and stuff, but that's another question of scale. Like like you don't know like you talk about defending that brand. You you know, and it depends on the level of client. They might be literally being attacked like five or ten yeah. times a day by like yes. lawsuits. Like you don't know the scale of the bullshit that they're dealing with on their high end versus yep. you know uh, um like a a company that's you know this is the first logo they've ever done and they're you know they're investing their <laughs> their home mortgage into starting this lawnmower company like that's a that's a completely different mindset um and you've got to put yourself there like if you're going to service these clients you've got to completely understand where they are and that's um yep that's that's awesome to have a i mean even if like you're getting paid by a client to uncover that you don't like working on this type of client i mean that's the dream scenario you know yeah. It, I mean, that's often what it is. And even if we're like wildly successful for the client and, you know, if our whole team mm -hmm. just hates working with them, it's yeah. like, all right, let's find somebody to replace this one. Wow. So what, what is the retention at big C like, I mean, it sounds like you just said some things that made me wish I worked there. Like, you know, during COVID <laughs> you're like, you guys take care of, we'll take care of you. Um, I mean, I imagine you have people that have just been there forever. We, we actually have two 10 year anniversaries happening this See year, that? which is cool. Yeah. That's but not we common. also will say there's, we had tons of, we had a 50% turnover in 2021. Yeah. And I just think in our industry specifically, man, there are some insane job offers out there. Yeah. Like we had people leave for a huge variety of reasons. I, I will, I mean, I'll own this moving from in-person to remote is tough it changes the culture. And we just had to realize that we were going to lose some folks when we mm. made that decision who don't want that. Like we did have people leave who were like, I really want to work in person and this agency's opening back up again. And, and so if you want that as your experience and it's not who we are, then that's just mm. the way it's going to go. And so that's been, this year has been really tough. Um, we also had some sort of toxic apples that we probably didn't make a move on soon enough mm. or didn't recognize to be such um, that can, you know, that whole bad apple spoils the bunch is very, very true. And so we found some rumors being spread under mm. that, you know, it doesn't always trickle up when you get to a certain size. And so That's we didn't know that, yeah, somebody started telling the whole team that we were trying to sell the agency because of these conversations Zoe and I were having and we weren't I think they saw actually meetings on our we were talking about acquiring agencies and so they saw M&A meetings on our calendars and the truth is no we were trying to grow <laughs> not sell so we had like three people leave because they thought we were trying to sell the agency <laughs> and they should get out while they should so wow but you know it is all of those things they feel really difficult at the time and they all just end up being such a blessing it's so amazing because we got mm. to really sit down and say like is this the role that we really want to refill and how and then is that the right person did that person have the right skill set and what does that look like now because mm. when you're small and you're growing you're kind of hiring i don't feel like when you're small you have the pick of the litter of humans to choose from all the time right and so sometimes you're like oh this is the best person to fill this job right now and so as we got bigger and bigger I was like oh we get to actually have a have a bigger sort of mm. especially as we went remote it was like oh we have a much larger right you know pool to choose from now and so it's not like we're picking the best of the pool the the applicants we're mm. picking a much larger pool now so 
Um, so this year, 2021 was tough, but like I said, we have 10 year anniversaries this year. We have a bunch of folks who are six, seven, eight. Um, and so does the agency that we just acquired as well. They've got some, probably the same mix, like half of the team have been there forever, five years or longer. And then the other half are fairly new, having come on during the COVID, the great resignation period and that sort of thing. So, mm. but yeah, that you can just carve 2021 out of that whole thing. Thank you. It's yes. like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even I want to say that word, those two words that you just put together, because I think it's just, uh, you know, we try to make so much sense out of it, right? But I don't know that you can. Like, I, I think the decisions that people are making are, they're not, they're not based in any kind of strategy or personal, they're just like random. Like, I think most yep. of them are like, you're like, I don't, I don't know. How do you remain so positive, man? I mean, you just went through a lot of stuff there. And, and mm -hmm. every time you've mentioned anything, it's always like, well, that's probably the best thing that could have happened. I mean, how do you get there? I don't know. I don't think about that. I just feel like I have a boundless optimism for like what we do. And we were just, we had an accountant review of our April today, right? And the numbers sucked for April, but that's because... Like I always have this reasoning in my head, like we just acquired another agency. It's the mm -hmm. first month that we've really merged our finances. We're just getting our footing on like working in a lot of time as being spent on internal mm -hmm. like processes and how we work together and understanding all of that. And so I was like, oh yeah. I mean, it was like, a. of course we're not gonna be super profitable in April because we spent so much time like figuring out how we work together. May will be better and June will be better than that. And they were like, yeah, you're right. That's mm -hmm. exactly what we see whenever we go through these. I was like, okay. I just always know that there's like, I don't know, I, if I'm being totally honest, I've always told myself I could go back to serving tables and I'd be fine with that. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Like I, the, my, my worst case scenario is not terrible. Like I could live through anything. And so I just know that, uh, you know, what's my worst case scenario. I run through those things in my head and I think I'd still be okay. Like I'm fine. I don't have all my eggs in the big C basket. I have other investments. I have other, you know, things, eggs, mm -hmm. things in the hopper, you know, there's other ways that I'm making money. And so I just, I'm very risk tolerant and I like to have fun. And so it's just been a matter of like seeing things at face value as much as I can and kind of doing mm. the best with what's in front of me. You're just a natural entrepreneur. I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think a lot of people, they not to sound like Gary V here, but like, you know, they they want to call themselves entrepreneur, they want to call themselves business owner, but deep down they're just they can't, they're not built for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, you said you're risk tolerant. I mean, you're gonna like if you're gonna be in business for yourself, like I don't know about you, I've never been able to look past like three quarters of like, you know, yeah. you're like, man, I mean, we know what we've been doing, but like yeah. Past that, I don't know. We just got to make it happen. Yep. <laughs> you know, I think you either need to you need to like that sort of uh, you want to attack life on that level or you don't. Yep. I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's awesome. It, so everything changes so fast, like on a constant, mm -hmm. especially in digital, like we can't put our we can't ever like nothing's written in stone. It's all going to change. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, we've we got shows where we talked about the the history of this business and it's just, it's, I don't want to say volatile because it's not, because there's always work, but it's always like, Hey, you know, the way you've been doing stuff, you got to completely rearrange that. Like you yeah. need a whole new set of skills. You need a whole new dude that does this. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not going to work anymore. And all the stuff you just did for your clients, 
you got to redo that real fast because it doesn't work anymore. Like that's literally our industry. Um, (laughs) It is. And how do you sell that to your clients? Right? Like this is, that's the thing is Mm -hmm. like, you have to be able to have that conversation with your clients. Like what we are doing for you today might not work in six months. It might not work in a year. So you just have to be ready to make mm-hmm. another investment, whatever that looks like. And it's not on me. That's just the way this works, you know? Yeah, and we'll tell you when us. you need to do it. <laughs> yeah, our, our payment processing isn't working. And I was like, you haven't mm-hmm. called us in five years. Yep. So yeah, the uh, tool we built for you five years ago, like everything else that works around yeah. it has been upgraded like probably five <laughs> or six times. And yeah. yours hasn't, so. Yeah, and I'm not surprised fault, it still works. Sorry. Whoops, yeah. It didn't, it was yeah. not working. Yeah, that was yeah. the problem, but. Uh. Well, Andy, that's great. Um, I appreciate your time today. Uh, I There's so much more stuff I want to talk to you about. So I want to get you back on here eventually cool. sooner than I like later. Because I think the last time we talked was like two years ago. I just checked my notes to get your uh, links and stuff. And that was from like two years ago. So that's not cool. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a long time. Think about it. Yep. Been busy since then. Well, yeah, is, there anything you'd, is there anything you'd want to leave um, anybody with? With uh, in respect to uh, dealing with life and business as a person that's dealing with life at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, I, one of my best friends is a landscaping company and we talk about this all the time. I'm like, the best thing you could do for your company is get yourself out of it. You know, you have to have a business that does not depend on you being there every single day or you're never going to have any type of freedom. And so what does that look like? What are the baby steps you can take next week, the week after, like to get yourself out of that day to day? And I know there's a book called, I think it's called Run Like Clockwork or Clockwork, Mm. Michael Michalowicz, who wrote Profit First, which is also a really good business financial book. Um, But there's a friend of mine actually that's consulting for them. but it's a really nice little system for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs and yeah. entrepreneurs with small companies and how they can sort of build systems and processes to get themselves out of the day to day to be able to take a vacation or take maternity leave or whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. So I know it's a super helpful platform. That's good advice. Uh, yeah. I would say that probably the one of the hardest pieces of advice to maybe follow. So <laughs> there's work yeah. that's involved there to get your mindset to be able to even start thinking that way. So. Um, yep get busy yeah for sure all right well enjoy the mountains of Asheville that's awesome I do every day (laughs) you should congratulations and um thanks for being on the show and we'll get you back soon thanks Gene